Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This one's going to be about the updated new player experience that Bungie outlined in their weekly TWAB. If you are listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or any of the podcast platforms, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That's the live channel on YouTube. You can hit subscribe and the bell button to not miss these live streams. Also, if you want all my content in one location, go to the SNTRnetwork.com website. SNTRnetwork.com has Rageous Roundtable, SNTR Presents, Repeat Theater. All of my content can be found there for ease of use. So, the new player experience has something that we've we've heard about uh, since New Light became a thing. For those of you that don't know this, Bungie changed the entrance point for Destiny when Shadowkeep came out. They made a free entry point and they called it New Light. New Light players got a variety of content, significant amounts of year one, two, and portions of three and patrol zones and different things like that and it caused some issues luke smith opened up in one of his director's cuts and said they they really underestimated the amount of people that were going to dive in with new light and obviously that's encouraging when you hear that you think oh that's pretty dope a lot of people coming in and playing the game anybody who's actually experienced the new light uh process has made it very clear that it is not a very clear uh, path forward into the game. It's kind of confusing. They don't tell you all that much and Bungie opened up and even said that in their recent TWAB that they just sort of turn you out into the wild. They're like, here you go and you don't really know what to do. So in their recent TWAB, they said that there would be a re sort of revamped new experience that would take place on the Cosmodrome. So I'm going to walk through some of the things Bungie said. Uh, I'm also going to talk about Cosmodrome. If it's coming back, is it primarily for this? Is it not really going to be that exciting for veteran players? Some of their commentary seems a little confusing about it. It doesn't seem all that exciting for, for me with what I read in this TWAB. And then I want to end by talking about Aldrin Sav. Everybody's theorizing that this, this, this character is Aldrin, and I want to talk about why I think that's kind of silly and based in basically nothing. Uh, So what did Bungie say? I grabbed some quotes here from Bungie.net from their TWAB and this is what they said. As a new player you will spend your first few missions getting acquainted with the state of the world in Destiny 2. So there's actually going to be missions uh, as opposed to just sort of getting thrown into vanilla campaign or a random location or the tower. These missions are going to take place on the Cosmodrome because it is returning. If you're unaware of this, uh, the DCV, the Destiny Content Vault, is something they're going to be using for retiring content as well as pulling content out. And their first piece of content that's coming out is the uh, patrol space of the Cosmodrome, along with three strikes, but only one is landing in Beyond Light. The other two will be launched at a later time. They also said you'll have the opportunity to take a few weapons out for a spin, find engrams to try different armor, and see our progression systems, and have some time to learn how to navigate the user interface to understand quests, bounties, collections, and more. So they're going to take you through what sounds like a pretty basic tutorial with respect to progression, as well as quest bounties and the collections. Now, when it says you're going to find engrams to try different armor and see our progression systems and, you know, to learn everything, a lot of folks think the image on the screen is the NPC because he's wearing uh, an exotic. 
I'm not sure. It looks like a lot of vanilla gear and the Kvostov and then an exotic. Maybe they just give everybody an exotic during that first opening because there are so many exotics. And they gave you an exotic piece of armor in the original vanilla campaign. And they may be staying true to that so that you become familiar with exotics. That's kind of my theory about what this image is. This image is a vanilla player. Uh, Well, not a vanilla player. I would say a new player jumping in got their Kvostov, got their vanilla armor, but they also have an exotic that they're wearing to stay true to the idea that when you played through the original D2 campaign, they gave you an exotic piece of armor, and I think it makes sense for it to even be one of the more classic ones for the Hunter. Uh, All of this will happen, they say, before you set foot in the tower, and our hope is that this refreshed new light experience will give a much warmer welcome to Guardians as they play Destiny 2 for the first time. Again, this is targeted at the people who are using new light you also have to consider that people are going to be jumping in for free with game pass uh, if they are a microsoft xbox or pc game pass subscriber they basically get all of destiny including beyond light if they want the season they're going to spend the extra 10 so there's going to be a large influx of players and this is this is targeted at them however For those of us that have been playing for a very, very long time, let's talk about the Cosmodrome. The return of the Cosmodrome to Destiny 2 is the start of the DCV bringing content back. This is the first time that they're doing it. And some of their commentary here, to me, is a little strange. So I've got two statements here that I I don't necessarily know how I'm supposed to read this. First, they said, for veteran players out there, this will be a stroll through memory lane. And you're like, oh, is that all it's going to be? And then they go on to say, there will be occasional moments of discovery, like stumbling upon a lost sector that you haven't seen before. Now, when I read this, to me, it sounds like they're not doing much with the Cosmodrome in Beyond Light. It's a stroll down memory lane, and there will be occasional moments of discovery, like stumbling upon a lost sector. So they're going to do to this what they did to the moon. They're going to add lost sectors, probably in each section, and there's plenty of spaces for them to do that. I think the most classic one will probably be that first area where when you went down and there were all the yellow bar knights that beat the crap out of you, that'll probably be the first lost sector uh, when you first land in uh, steps or steeps. or I always called it steeps, but I think it's supposed to be called steps. Anyway, they're adding some lost sectors. But when I read these two statements, they're, they're sort of trying to communicate, it seems to me at least, to veteran players, don't expect much new or exciting things happening on the Cosmodrome. It's a new place to go. It's a stroll down memory lane. It serves as the entrance hub for new players. And we've added some you know, lost sectors. Yeah, the Luke Cave could probably be another lost sector. That'd be awesome. Please turn that into a lost sector. That'd be cool. Um, now, I'm hoping that there's more reason and updates to Cosmodrome than just lost sectors and the new player experience. Because long term, I would love to see story elements why are we going back and running? Somebody said that they, they, they said they would only be bringing back strikes and, and locations that had story reasons or, or actual narrative reasons. So why are we running Devil's Lair again? Why are we running any of the content again? Those are things I'm actually curious about, and I'm hoping that they decide to you know unveil it. Now, they also said as things progress, it'll return to sort of its original vanilla state. That does not include the Plaguelands, by the way. So Plaguelands and Archon's Forge will not be included. And they did say over time, the Cosmodrome will evolve and expand to get back to its original vanilla, you know, year one, Destiny one status. I would think maybe they're going to use that for the seasonal content, maybe adding things. And again, those strikes are coming back over time. We're only getting one of the strikes in Beyond Light. Lastly, let's talk about Aldrin Sov. 
some are theorizing that that picture that I already showed you and the NPC in the you know that that's helping you is is Aldrin Sav. Okay, so some are theorizing that Shaw Han. The guy that they talk about is Aldrin Sov and will potentially become the NPC of the Cosmodrome. Here is the direct quote from Bungie about Shaw Han. Shaw Han is his name, and he... Oh, it's Sov with an S-O-V. I'm sorry, I misspelled Sov. Oh, you guys are already getting me in chat. Whoops, I, I typed this up this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway... Uh, I think the Shaw hand threw me off. I'm 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 actually letting it out here, guys. I misspelled Sav because it's got the A in it, like Shaw hand. Shaw hand is his name, and he's on a mission with his fire team to investigate what the Hive are up to in the Cosmodrome. He'll show you the ropes and help you find your way among the gameplay and systems in Destiny 2. Now, here's the thing. That sentence to me, the more I read it and the more I think about it, does not point to Aldrin Sav, and I'll give you a few reasons. Number one, how is he suddenly with the fire team? Nobody likes him, he keeps the helmet on so nobody can recognize him because when he takes the helmet off, everybody's mean to him. This is in the lore right now, in the game, I'm not spoiling anything, okay? So, he suddenly has his fire team and they're on an actual mission. So who gave them the mission? They're investigating the hive on the Cosmodrome? Why? Where did this come from? How is he suddenly on a fire team doing something conceivably for the Vanguard? Secondly, he'll show you the ropes. He's confused and an outsider, and he doesn't know what's going on, and yet he's going to kind of be your, like, captain, whatever, general, if you think militaristically here. He's showing you the ropes which puts him into a potential position of leadership. And he's going to help you find your way among the gameplay and the systems of Destiny 2. I strongly think that just these two sentences alone make it really difficult to me for me to grapple with the idea of a confused, hated, outcast Aldrin Sav suddenly becoming the guy who's showing you the ropes and he's on a mission with a fire team. It just doesn't add up to me. I think Aldrin Sov will come back. I think we will run into him in the Cosmodrome, but I do not think it is Shaw Han. Shaw Han's probably going to be a very generic NPC. He may become the NPC of the Cosmodrome. I think they have bigger plans for Aldrin Sov, potentially even him getting the name Crow and coming with a an actual storyline that matters, not some tutorial guy. Um, I don't see anything here that leads me to believe that they would use Aldrin in such a basic way. He will return, but I'm very, very... Uh, doubtful about this. He forgot a bunch of stuff too. Yeah, he, he he forgot. He's confused. I just this doesn't line up with somebody who's on a fire team on a mission, showing you the ropes. That's not somebody who is confused and is an outcast and is wearing a helmet to basically hide who he is. Um, that doesn't line up in my mind. If I end up being wrong, that's fine. I mean, I I I think that'd be a bit of a bummer unless they use him in a pretty significant way. But nothing here points at Shawhan being older and soft. I think people are kind of desperate for those clicks, and uh, you know. We've done this before. There was a mysterious helmet. Uh, the Fellwinter's helmet was shown in the one trailer. We're like, maybe that's Aldrin Sov. And it's like, literally uh, was just a person in a trailer wearing a helmet. So, we're going to transition to Q&A. If you're here live, don't go anywhere. If you're a paying member, you can submit your questions here or in Discord. If you're listening to this elsewhere, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. 
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the question and answer session that followed my talk about the updated new player experience that Bungie outlined in one of their weekly twabs. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or any of the podcast platforms that are out there, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That'll bring you to the YouTube channel so you can hit subscribe and the bell button to not miss the live streams. If you want all my content in one place, go to sntrnetwork.com sntrnetwork.com is where you can get Rageous Roundtable, Repeat Theater, and SNTR Presents episodes all in one spot. Bookmark that page. Uh, and very excited to have the Roundtable returning this week. Necro coming in with the first question. From what was said about New Light Experience, I'm hoping that Bungie can teach players how to play through gameplay. Using AI as partners during missions is something I think the game needs. What do you think about scripted AI interacting with you out in the field? I'm wondering if this will be more possible because of the updates to the quest scripts and physics scripting that they said, then they could make the game a little bit more uh, responsive or whatever. This is a possibility that could come from that. That they could have missions where there's AI sort of fighting beside you and doing different things, whether to teach people or you could have really, really unique encounters or a seasonal activity or future, I don't know, anything dungeons uh, that would be a way to evolve the combat um we summoned robots in uh we summoned robots in worthy which unfortunately that was kind of a crummy season but some of the stuff we were doing in the legendary lost sectors was actually kind of cool summoning robots summoning javelins it it gave you know a depth maybe not a depth um it gave a spice and a freshness to the combat that was kind of fun it wasn't really depth because i mean it was a lot of just kind of steamrolling once you kind of got it got the hang of things there wasn't much changing in the combat because a robot was just blasting things into oblivion so maybe they're able to do something more like this now with the update i mean as far as the first half of your question though like hoping that bungie can teach players how to play through gameplay it would be pretty cool if this tutorial also included the hey this is a public event and periodically there's things you can do to turn the event to heroic um not necessarily needing to teach them about every single event and how to turn every event from normal to heroic but it could certainly be a way to say hey sometimes there's different things you can do on these events to trigger heroic and then it uh it, it, it yields more rewards and you know a different fight or something um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be too worried about that particular aspect but that would be one nice thing they could do in this uh, this tutorial aspect of the new player experience I've never been too keen on having AI fight with me for a handful of reasons like obviously there's things we could do that could be creative and fun but in a lot of the games I've played, I feel like the AI gets in my way and is annoying. They tend to yell a lot and bark out orders, and they get they walk in front of you. They go to the spot that you want to go to. Now, obviously, in Destiny, it's not like Call of Duty where we're trying to get to cover. We're trying to push forward to a given area. Destiny's combat isn't necessarily falling into those into those 
categories or cliches. A lot of times when I was playing games like Battlefield or Call of Duty and playing through the campaign, I always found the AI to be pretty annoying. There was a game, I think it might have been Brothers in Arms, where I could tell the AI where to go or tell them to suppress the enemy, and that was actually really fun because it could make for strategic decision-making in a campaign that usually doesn't have that. You're usually just shooting every anything that moves and having a game where I could be like, go over there, suppress that enemy. Um, that was pretty cool. And it, 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 I remember that being sort of a fresh take on the World War shooter campaign. Um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of Destiny combat, I don't know how much an NPC could add unless it was something maybe mechanics-based, like if they go over here and they maintain this area, they're helping you do something, and then you can kind of choose which you know which you want to do. There is uh, there's a lot of that in I remember the one Gears of War campaign. You could choose to go high or low, and it would have a different feel. And the other guys are doing their thing. And when you played co-op with a teammate, it would do something similar. You know, it would split you up. Um, so I, I would certainly say there's room for that in Destiny, but I just, I don't know how much, uh, they would want to iterate on that because it would be a bit of a departure from what we've done for the last five or six years. So they may experiment in like one particular mission or one particular environment, but I don't know if you'd start seeing this everywhere, you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, the stranger is coming into the raid with us or something that might be a little bit strange. Oh, wrong mouse. Here we go. Darksider. One of the biggest critiques for Shadowkeep, in my opinion, was that before the last mission, the story stops to tutorial the player about nightmare hunts and phantasmal cores to get loot. Do you think this new introductory mission will include Beyond Light Activity tutorial to make the story have no interruptions? I mean, I don't think so, no. The the general description that we went over down here, um, and I know I have Aldrin's name uh, misspelled here, uh, I don't know. Did 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 creature go and uh, fix that? No, he didn't. I thought maybe he would go in the background and fix that for me. <laughs> I misspelled soft. It says that he'll show you the ropes, right? About gameplay and systems in Destiny 2. And then up here it says you'll have an opportunity to take a few weapons for a spin, find engrams to try different armor, and see our progression systems, and have some time to learn how to navigate the user interface to understand quest bounties, collections, and more. So I don't see them yanking the player off of off of Cosmodrome or taking the player somewhere with respect to like Hey, here's here's how this uh, this this beyond light activity is going uh, to go. You know, here's here's how they're it's it's you know you're gonna need to run this or whatever. This seems to be more about the basics and less about beyond light because you have to consider something. Somebody who you know joins the game in January, they don't necessarily need to be drugged through a tutorial about a beyond light activity. This is meant to be something that has a little bit more elasticity. So we get all the way to Shadow, not Shadow, uh, we get all the way to Witch Queen. And during Witch Queen, players are going to be coming in new again, as always, especially with the free-to-play entry point if they stay on uh, Game Pass. You're going to have new players coming in during Witch Queen. And this is going to be that that cut and dry, start in the Cosmodrome, go around, do some things, and learn the basics. And having it tied to Beyond Light would mean they'd always have to go back and update the flow and update what it uh, what it has. 
Now, I mean, I see where you're coming from because of the way Shadowkeep ran, but Shadowkeep was an expansion, not a new player tutorial, and this seems more aimed at that brand new player experience that doesn't know how quests, bounties, collections, what's the difference between tiers of armor? I mean, that's why I believe the guy in this picture, I believe the guy in this picture is is actually, um, I believe that is um, Aldrin, not, I believe that's not Aldrin Sav. I don't think it's Aldrin Saab. I think that um, the that that was a big bloop. That was not on my end. That must have been on YouTube's end. I got nothing. I got nothing. Um, did I freeze or was it just like something? It was buffering. It was buffering. Okay. I was going to say, we had that weird freeze earlier today. Um, so that must have been on YouTube's end because nothing on my computer is acting up. Um, I don't think, I don't think that the the character in this picture is the npc and i don't think the character in this picture is is aldrin sov either i think the character in this picture is a new player right the character in this picture is a new player i think they're going to give them an exotic right um they're going to give him an exotic and that's the exotic that he's wearing because if you remember if you remember in the original destiny 2 vanilla campaign they gave everybody an exotic piece of armor. Does anybody remember what piece of armor did they give the hunter? I can't remember. Um, I don't know. Um, I know you got the the chest piece for the warlock that had like the wings, and then I can't remember what the titan and the hunter got. Oh, that's right. The hunter got Raiden Flux. Hunter got Raiden Flux. The, the warlock got like the wings of sacred dawn or whatever in the heck it was and then I forget what the titan got and then there were three weapons to choose from there was the graviton lance there was the sunshot oh and titans got doomfang yeah so they gave you a choice between three and then you um armamentarium no, Titans got Doomfang. I remember it was the Doomfang. It was not Armamentarium. Um, oh, you could choose from three. Each character could choose from three. Yeah, that's right. The three exotic weapons were Sunshot, Graviton, and Risk Runner. That's exactly right. Right. Um, hundred percent Doomfang. I think you picked between a couple of pieces. In any case, in any case. What they did in that campaign, they may be honoring that in this tutorial, and we're looking at a brand new player. One of the reasons I think that is, the helmet is very basic looking. Like, that's like one of the blue helmets, I think. But then the Kvostov's in their hands, and they've got an exotic arm on. Uh, exotic arm piece. So to me, this is a new player. They're going to show them the tiers of weapon uh, of, of items. Blue armor... Um, oh yeah, there it is. Techno's got the picture. You could choose between um, the Raiden Flux, Orpheus Rigs, and or no wait, what are those three? I can't remember. I because the, the the is that the that's not Orpheus Rigs, is it? Is it Orpheus Rigs or another one? They were strictly chess pieces. No, it wasn't. I'm looking at a picture of the hunter being able to choose between a gauntlet, a chest. It was Aeon. Raiden and Lucky Pants is what the is what the hunter could choose between three. They're probably gonna give a new player the same the same options. 
This is what a piece of blue gear looks like. This is what a piece of legendary gear looks like. Uh, and this is what a uh, exotic looks like. And so you could pick it. They're going to let you pick. So this person chose uh, Ahamkara or whatever they're called. The... Uh, the, they're called the young Ahamkara's spine is what this guy is wearing in this picture so somebody gave him that option to pick that more than likely to set up the different tiers of weaponry I mean it even says right here you'll have an opportunity to take a few weapons out for a spin find engrams to try different armor and see our progression systems so I don't know maybe they just literally drop a guaranteed exotic I'm going to see people deleting characters if that's the case <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully it's not that easy so people were saying it's not Aeon it's trick sleeves but in any case you get the point um, you get the point um, exotic Kvostov you think that's an exotic Kvostov it's possible it's possible they bring it back as an exotic um, as, a, as a way uh, you know as a way to keep things going it looks like he, he creature said to refresh he might have fixed it for me alright Maybe, maybe, yes, he did. Hopefully, he didn't put anything in, any, 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 any Easter eggs in to make fun of me for misspelling Sov. <laughs> yeah, it could be an exotic. It could be. It could be uh, an exotic Kavastov, exotic armor piece, blue armor piece, legendary armor piece. You know, kind of giving you the gamut of all the different things. It's po- it's very, very possible. N a painter. One of the best parts of Destiny are the secrets and short adventures you go. Uh, through in the game what can Bungie do to encourage seeking them out without devaluing uh, finding them Um, this is hard because one of the things that they've tried to do with certain exotic quests is you know what you're getting and like you go and you go after it right but then it's more of like a checklist if you want to have like secrets and little short adventures and things like that One of the challenges, I think, is attaching a loot incentive to all of that content. So look at Vanilla Destiny 2. If you add up all of the adventures and all of the Lost Sectors, and you go run them as fast as you can, it's tons of hours of content that has virtually nothing attached to it. No reason to run the adventures, no reason to run the Lost Sectors. They are just literally there as something to do. So, maybe a way to get this is to have targeted daily items uh, on a planet, and so you know heading into Lost Sectors or running adventures has a likelihood of them dropping or something to that effect. One of the one of the bigger challenges for a game like Destiny, I think, is they don't have a super broad uh, loot pool. You know, they add a certain number of pieces of loot every season, and and there's only so much they can do with that. So, I would not expect them to be dumping little secret pieces of loot and really cool adventures um, in all these different places. I just wouldn't expect them to do it. They haven't really built the game for that. Generally, loot pursuits are tied to activities um, and not the other way around. Like It's not like there's just these random things you can go do. So I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just don't see a conceivable way for them to do this in an effective way. I mean, they kind of did it uh, with the Dust Rock Blues. So Forsaken rolled around, and then this shotgun emerges as a pretty good shotgun, and there was like two lost sectors that were a pretty good grind for the Dust Rock Blues. Uh, 
I don't know if that's good to be something that's like always there because lost sectors are so short, but it certainly was nice to know, hey, there's this lost sector that, uh, you know, has a, has a potential to do a nice drop. They could do something with that with the daily targeted item, and then the lost sector could be harder. If you remember Renown, whenever they did that with faction rallies, a lot of the lost sectors took on a really, really different feel. Um when that happened and I would say that'd be a great place to start you know have some cool world drops have some cool potential roles but they're not always in the same spot they kind of move around and then maybe it kind of changes the activity when you go in because it's the flashpoint or whatever that's uh, that's a possibility I just uh, sometimes I think Bungie's just going to get way more capital from a very intentional grind and loot pool and activity instead of just tossing everything out into random places and spaces um, I love the idea of a world loot pool that you go out and you're doing stuff and it has the potential to drop and it has the potential to be good I love that idea Bungie doesn't seem to want to do that they've never really gravitated toward doing anything with worlds um, the, I'm sorry, the, the planets and world drops, NPCs, or any of that. They've really drifted away from that. They've drifted more toward creating a container that kind of contains all the loot, and then you kind of put yourself in that circle, and that's it. You kind of just apply the formula. I'm not saying one way is better than another. I'm just kind of saying that's where I feel like they've been kind of heading. Math. If I already have three characters, do you believe the new player experience will be worth deleting one to start the new Beyond Light character? Well, they did say we would have a chance to go experience this if we want, and it didn't sound like you'd have to delete a character. So I would say that you sh- you should just be able to go experience this if you want and not need to delete. Now, if we're getting to pick exotics or getting guaranteed exotic Ingram drops, Bungie's got to be aware of the fact that people might want to do that. They'll just keep deleting characters and rerunning it, and they'll put all their stuff in the vault. Like, never underestimate the Destiny community's willingness to just delete a character for a marginal benefit or chance at something. Like, they will do it. They got no problem doing it. Especially if it's literally a tutorial that gives you something like that. It's not even like a a Nightfall or a Nightmare Hunt or something. It's literally just, you know, a tutorial that obviously an experienced player would have no problem running through very, very quickly. So... They're gonna have to think about that because it it I think we're I think we're on a good I think we're on a good pathway here to say that a lot of uh, a lot of what we're seeing in this picture is more than likely to some degree a a picture of a brand new player who got got their hands on an exotic fairly easily and people will delete their characters if it's that simple and that straightforward you know they'll they'll have no problem doing that so. Uh, next question from Fet44. Is it enough just to give Aldrin a quest line during an upcoming season? Or maybe an entire season dedicated to a redemption arc for him, season of redemption maybe? This is kind of what I was hinting at in this section of the talk, the Cosmodrome. I am hoping there is more of a reason to bring back the Cosmodrome than just adding some lost sectors and utilizing it as a tutorial space. Obviously, it's going to be great to see the Cosmodrome on my my PC, 1440, 120 frames. Cool. Awesome. Run those old strikes, too, once they're all back. 
kind of coming back piecemeal. And it'll be kind of cool to see the Cosmodrome contextualized and brought forward with respect to having lost sectors, and I'm assuming they'll probably update the, the public events to not be what they what they used to be, which was, I mean, the original Warsat public event was ridiculously basic. It was literally just waves of dropships as you stood next to a, um, a Warsat. And you could make it really easy on yourself by not killing the last member of the dropship, and at 33% he would despawn. So you could literally, like, super easy, just not even pay attention, do it, and get only three dropships or something like that. That was nice when you were running solo, because the, the, the more you kill, the harder it actually got. Um, so, my hope would be they would do something along the lines of what you're saying. Do a season where there's story reasons to expand the Cosmodrome. Do something with, um, do something with Aldrin. Uh, you know, because it would be super weird to not ever really do anything significant with him. They had a pretty dramatic scene where he comes back to life and to be like, yeah, well, now he's an NPC attached to a tutorial. I just, I don't, I don't see that being the proper use of, of his character. So I would hope that the Cosmodrome, as they said, it'll slowly get back to its original D1 form, not with the Plaguelands. In the process of them doing that, maybe there is a story element that expands it, opens it up, adds new things, and it's attached to Aldrin. Um, I could definitely, uh, I could definitely get behind that. As a, as a, as a decision, as a, as a, as a motivator to, um, to, to go back there um, it it just really depends I think on what their view of the Cosmodrome is I and here's something else to consider if the Cosmodrome is going to serve as the new player experience is it ever going to go back into the DCV that wouldn't make sense would it it if it goes back into the DCV they're going to have to recreate a whole nother new player experience again somewhere else I feel like the Cosmodrome is coming back and is here to stay. It wouldn't make sense to give themselves extra work, you know? You'd be happy never seeing Aldrin ever again? Oh, no way! That's such an intriguing story arc to be to be tricked and to become an outcast after dying and coming back to play a major role in killing a major NPC? I don't know, man. Villains are sometimes the best characters to have around. and He's not really even a villain anymore. Um... So I don't know. It'd be really cool to see where they go with it as opposed to just leaving him out of the frame. Creature says, Will you be disappointed one way or the other if the public events in the Cosmodrome are the D1 version or more of the same D2 instances? Well, I mean, I already said I think they're going to update the D1 version, but I think the second part of your question is pretty good. If it's just a bunch of D2 public events that we're already really familiar with. I mean... They obviously sort of did this on the moon. They brought public events of the moon that we were already pretty familiar with. The ritual with the wizard and the big portal. Um, a war sat. And I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I, and then, and I, th- that didn't matter that much. I felt like the moon landed, at least in my mind, it landed really well because they did a lot to it. You had Vex invasions. You had the random target each week you could go and try and kill that was really hard initially. You had that night you could kill and the invisible and then the invisible platforms appeared. You had the lost sectors that are like almost like miniature strikes. You had Altar of Sorrows, um, and 
I don't know. I, I felt like they did a really good job with the moon. So, if all they do is add Lost Sectors and then put a bunch of just regular old, you know, Destiny 2 public events that we're used to on the Cosmodrome, I have to say I will be a little disappointed. Now, again, I'll, I'll hold out some hope that they have bigger plans since they did make it clear that, like, the EDZ is going to land in Beyond Light and they're not done with it once it lands. Like, they've got plans to do more with it. And that gives me some hope. Now, I again... I don't know if this this means anything to, you know, oh yeah, they're going to do stuff with Aldrin, he's going to have his own storyline, he's going to have his own campaign, um, or are they going to do anything to the effect of like, having the strikes change, why are we running the strikes again, why are we going back to the devil's lair, those are some of the questions I have as well, not just about the public experience, but about the actual story reasons to go back to the Cosmodrome, or to go back into the devil's lair, or the saber strike, or anything else. What, what, are they going to change the boss and have new audio? I would think they'd kind of have to, because it wouldn't make any sense to do to do anything other than that. We're just going to go back and get the same dialogue, or no dialogue, or, you know, why are we back here? What are we doing? I would think you would say, you know, in our absence on the Cosmodrome, so-and-so has taken a foothold here, and we got to go in and get rid of him. Even something that basic um, would be, I think, uh, at least a some semblance of a reason to to go back Dark Calamity do you think they might flesh out Shaw Han as more than just a new light mentor it would seem weird to introduce a brand new character and only use him for a prologue section of the game especially seeing how in-depth Bungie usually is with characters in general I don't know they're not consistent here though Shiro showed up they did nothing with Shiro Shiro was merely a bounty source in Rise of Iron they didn't do anything with him um, so he just stood in the tower and said stuff and gave you uh, bounties so they could certainly do something similar here um, they introduced all the planetary NPCs and they have audio during strikes and when you're on their planet but they don't do they didn't do anything with them um, I don't know if they're bringing back Siva I have no idea uh, you know it's 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 hard to know it really is hard to know what their plans are here um is because I don't think they're. I, I'll give you. I'll give you my. I'll give you my theory. I guess on it. I don't think they're going to do anything with this guy. I really don't. I think they made up a brand new character. He's got no lore attached to him. He's just some fire team lead on on Cosmodrome to give you an introduction to the game. That's that's all. That's all he's going to do. And I don't think it's Aldrin. I don't think he's an NPC that'll be on the on Cosmodrome. I mean, he might be the NPC, but even then, they don't do much with those NPCs. They just have a bunch of generic dialogue they say to you all the time. Yeah. He goes through this mission and sets up shop on the Cosmodrome to keep an eye on things. I mean, it could be something as simple as that. So, Shaw Hand becomes your the person you go to for your bounties um, on, or, you know, take your spin metal to him or whatever. Outside of that, I don't think I don't think I do much with him. The Archon. Hey Lono, with last year's season pass being pretty friendly toward free-to-play players, do you think Bungie needs to make sure there's a good tutorial for new light players, uh, but most content is still paid for? Uh, make sure there is a good tutorial for new light players, but most content is still paid for. Well, obviously, we don't know what this tutorial is going to entail, so I, I I I would hope that yes, this is a 
I would hope this is a good tutorial. To the second part of your question, I took issue with how much, if you go right now, excuse me, if you go right now to Bungie.net and you click on Season of Arrivals, and you scroll down to the section that shows what you get that's paid and what you get that's free, those lists are very similar. And I don't think that's ultimately good because it seems it seems like I'm not getting much for my money. I don't think the value transmission is very good. I think, I think we need, and I've been saying this for a while, we need a clear-cut picture as to what in the world we're getting for the $10 when we buy the season in addition to Beyond Light, since they are separate purchases. They were not separate purchases in Forsaken or Shadowkeep. Forsaken didn't really even delineate anything under Season of the Outlaw, and season of uh, season of the undying being attached to shadow keep they just threw it in so being the first time that I'm buying the expansion and the season separately I really am gonna need a, a, a good landing page for season of you know season of winter or something whatever they're gonna call it and I go in I need to be able to see everything and it needs to be very very clear what I'm getting and what free to play players are getting because Free-to-play players can go everywhere in the game. They can go on all the patrols. They can do all the stuff. They can this this season especially. They can play the contact public event. But, you know they can't get any of the loot, obviously, if they want like you know the the new the new weapons and stuff. And then and then the, the Beyond Light is getting thrown into Game Pass. So I just I don't know. I feel like they need to make it very very clear what I'm getting for the $10 since it's separate and since so much is being given to free to play players they gotta be careful not to feel like they're giving everything away why should I really buy why should I really spend a lot of the benefits of season of arrivals was you got stuff early and it was like okay cool you know I got stuff early but there and again I know keep in mind I know that I got $10 worth of content in season of arrivals I know that the season pass itself, combined with the loot pools, and combined with uh, all the various uh, weapons you can get through the umbrals, I feel like I got $10 worth of content. But they gave the dungeon for free, and you can play Contact Public Event for free, and everybody got the exotic for free, as long as you get to a certain level on the season pass. So they need to make, I think, a clearer distinction between what a paying person gets and what a free-to-play player gets because here, here's the honest goodness truth. How many people are going to Bungie.net clicking on a season and being like, okay, what do I get for free? Gimme, gimme, gimme. I don't think a lot of the free-to-play players are, are doing that. I think most of the people that are going to Bungie.net, reading the twabs, the blogs, and checking out the landing page for whatever the next season is, most of those folks are wanting to see, like, okay, what do I get if I spend money? I don't think free-to-play players are visiting those particular outlets of information in droves. I don't think they are. Dracus Pander. Hi, Lono. Although the initial uh, Cosmodrome re-release was limited new stuff for vets, how can Bungie continue to evolve the space to maintain engagement? Well, you got to put activities there or loot there. There's got to be a motivator to go. Like, 
why am I going to a planet in general right now? I, I almost never do it. I, what, what's the point? I do contact. Why? Because it's attached to a pinnacle. If contact wasn't attached to a pinnacle, I wouldn't freaking run that week to week. I run it twice on each character. I run contact public event six times a week. Roughly one time a day. That's not bad, but the only reason I'm doing it is for the pinnacle. There, I, I, if there was no pinnacle, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be spending any time on the planets. Now, there was a time where I would just run pubs and do and do bounties and get all of Spider's stuff and get all of his enhancement cores and stand around like an idiot waiting for HVTs. But in, I don't know, in general, I, I don't really go to the public space environments. So what are you going to do with, you know, Cosm- Cosmodrome? What are you going to do with any of these places to make me care about going there? You generally need to have a story, activity, or loot incentive to go. And story loses its reason very quickly. Activity loses its reason very quickly if there's no loot attached to it. So if there's if there's if those things are not in place, I can't see Cosmodrome mattering all that much initially. I mean, um, we're halfway to the 700 rollover. We're at 650 likes. If you guys want to roll that over, that'd be awesome. Um, right here, these these two lines in particular are the are the sort of the lines that made me think, eh, you know, as veteran players, we're not going to care all that much about Cosmodrome in Beyond Light. They say here, for veteran players out there, this will be a stroll through memory lane. There will be occasional moments of discovery, like stumbling upon a lost sector that you haven't seen before. That to me isn't giving me this overwhelming amount of confidence that Cosmodrome is going to be this hop and spot for veteran or long-standing players in in Beyond Light. I think we're going to be like, oh, this is cool, as it says they say. It'll be like a trip down memory lane. But beyond that, it it's 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 going to essentially serve as a tutorial hub potentially, and then it'll be a holding space for more stuff in the future. Evolving it more, doing more with it, sending us back there, again, doing something potentially um, with uh, doing doing something with um, with Aldrin. Those are all possibilities. I just can't. I, I, and one of the reasons I'm not too concerned about this. Obviously, you might be hearing me say this, and you're like, "Well, then what's the point of bringing the Cosmodrome back? What a waste!" One of the reasons I'm not super concerned about this is because that likely means the main focus is Europa which for veteran players I, I'm i kind of okay with that that's not a terrible mix that's not a terrible mix you've got Europa as the main new car smell, new place we've never been there before, it's cool, it's icy there's dynamic weather and then the Cosmodrome's there is like, oh man the Cosodrome I remember this, all this strike I remember this, all oh, there's lost sectors and that's that's the end of it and then they can obviously always, you know, push push things further than that. Um, I just realized we could do one more zoom in on this. Yeah, that's a little bit better. Uh, they can always push it and and surprise us and and have a trailer for a season that draws us back to the Cosmodrome for a particular reason. You know, Deaf Side. Do you think Bungie should also make a small timeline video for new players? I'm not going to campaign for this, but this would be pretty cool. Um, you know, 
in case you missed it or what do they typically call those destiny so far um uh destiny up to now i forget what they call those uh typically those videos that kind of catch everybody up it'd be pretty cool to do that it wouldn't be that hard honestly they've got trailers and cutscenes from from d1 and d2 and it could piece it all together it would actually be really enjoyable truly truly it'd be really enjoyable to watch it as a veteran uh, uh periodically we've gone back and we've watched the scenes from destiny 1 and one of my favorite scenes of all time is when Oryx takes himself and they have this amazing epic music playing in the background. It's almost, it, it, for some reason, it makes me think of O Fortuna a little bit. This, this, you hear these, these voices kind of singing. It's epic. It's nuts. I, that's one of my favorite scenes. So, and, and, and honestly, anything with Oryx is pretty good, but it'd be pretty cool for them to string all that together. And, and kind of show us um, every everything that's happened up to now. Um, they they did a stellar job back then, and it's a shame that so many people will 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 never know about those times. You know, uh, I hesitate. Yolono, now that Bungie has brought back the Cosmodrome with minor changes catered toward newer players, how do you feel that area should be updated for the hardcore player base like the moon? I was not a big fan of Altar of Sorrows, but I think something like that would be a really, really good decision. You've got a lot of big open spaces. If you think about the way that EDZ feels, EDZ, it it feels kind of contained a little bit you got Trossland, eh, kind of contained you got the sludge and the gulch and a lot of these areas they're big but there's almost like this there's almost this passive wall big giant circle some of these areas are huge the area with the planes the area with the ships they're really really large and open and it'd be really cool to have some some stuff going on there because Altar of Sorrows takes place in a very, very big area. It's huge. I remember grinding that area for the currency because I was going for that love and death grenade launcher, and that was one of the better places to grind for the currency, constantly killing the ogres that would appear. And this is before Altar of Sorrows was an activity. And I like that. There's something fun about that where you... um, where you where you go from one end to the other and back and forth. I mean, Escalation Protocol kind of brought that, but EP took place in a pretty small area. It wasn't very large. It's you know probably half the size of some of the areas on the Cosmodrome. So here's my here's my thing though. It's great when they do stuff like Blind Well, Escalation Protocol, and Altar of Sorrows, but I didn't like that Altar of Sorrows was a bit of a meat grinder and it took a really, really long time and there wasn't a great loot incentive. There was unique drops, but they weren't very good. And then Blind Well had nothing loot attached to it at all. Nothing. And then Escalation Protocol would have been probably a little bit better with with random rolls. Static rolls made it a bit of a transaction. Once you got the guns, you were done. So EP had the potential to be one of the better of all of the events if it had random rolls. At the time, it did not. And I think that really shortchanged the event. So that's what I would say is great. Yes, bring back something like that, but you really have to have a good loot driver. And honestly, I do not like 
public space non-match-made failable content. I don't like it. I didn't like the tower event. I think the contact public event is bad. We overlook its flaws because we ball dupe and we run guillotine. Um, Because of ball duping and guillotine, I believe the contact public event is getting away with murder. It's a bad event. I think it's... I, I, I genuinely think... Putting somebody, putting people in the public space like that for a failable event with champions, I just think it's stupid. I don't think it's good. It had a, it had a level, it had a level delta right at the beginning of the season. So newer players were seeing swords, maybe skulls. Um, I think that's dumb. I think it's unwelcoming, and I don't like it. I think content like that should be match made, non failable, and then if you want to have harder versions, go for it. But. I do not like that structure. I never will. It was stupid when it was the towers. It was stupid when it was EP because they had to lower the difficulty. Um, Forges might be the best medium. Forges were match made, but they were failable if you were being an idiot. Like if you were being pretty stupid or an AFK or you being a bonehead, you're going to fail the forges. But by and large, they weren't weren't that failable. It was unlikely you were going to fail forges. Um... And and they were match made, so they kind of hit they kind of hit two two nice markers, um, and so I would I would continue just to draw people's attention to what's good and bad about those types of events anytime these subjects come up. So if they if they do something like that on the Cosmodrome, those I think those quality of, uh, points need to be there. Um, yeah, Forges had a bad power delta at launch. That's different discussion though. From a design philosophy, forges were match made and you didn't really fail. If forges applied the other principle that I don't believe entry level content should have a power delta, I believe you saved the power delta for the hard version, then that wouldn't have been a problem. If there had been hard mode forges with double drop rate chances and uh, and increase increased bounty completion, increased frame completion, that would have been perfectly fine. Again, I, difficulty spectrum spectrum for 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 content is just just seems like such a freaking no-brainer it really it really does it it seems like such a no-brainer noble should npcs talk to new guardians born in the cosmodrome differently than a veteran player aka godslayer kind of like the drifter did in the allegiance quest they've already done things like this so i would agree with you yes that it's cool when the dialogue is different when they call you hunter warlock or titan that's kind of cool when they make references to things you did in destiny one if you're on a uh, if you're on a veteran vanilla account they do say things differently to you in the tower i don't get any of that dialogue because I, 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 I had to put my new, I had to do new characters on PC um, and so I don't get any of that cool dialogue uh, unfortunately they kind of mess some things up with uh, Saladin he doesn't seem to be aware of what happened in Rise of Iron because Rise of Iron was probably being developed uh, parallel to D2 Vanilla and D2 Vanilla dialogue recording and so they kind of they kind of messed that up uh, <laughs> unfortunately um, so I would say this kind of stuff does add um, some organic you know, maybe not realism, but it's good, just good immersion. You know, it's good immersion. Um, if you could direct me to info from Bungie saying they're taking away bounty stacking, I'd like to see it. I don't think they've said anything, but I think people are anticipating them saying something because they said they're going to speak to it or address it or something. Which, if they're doing nothing, then why would they have to say anything? The fact that they're going to have to say something to update everybody on it, I would think means they are doing something. I would say with the reinstall, they're going to hide behind the reinstall. 
they're going to say because you have to reinstall the game it's not going to sync up uh, it's not going to sync up with the bounties and you are subsequently going to lose those bounties that's what I would think is going to happen I don't think that's the, that's, that's the best excuse but I think that's the one they're going to go with Gilly in the Mist says, Do you think the Cosmodrome will get a vendor, and should it? As far as I know, there wasn't a vendor in D1, but I wonder if Bungie will not add one to keep the, uh, the D1 feel. Thoughts? I don't think they'll, they'll, they'll avoid it. No, every planet has one. Um, they've never added a location without an NPC. The moon had Eris. The Dreaming City had Petra. The Tangled Shore had Spider. Nessus has Failsafe. Mercury had Brother Vance. Mars had uh, Anna Bray. I really don't see them being like, yeah, there's not an NPC. Like, I I would think it's likely to be this guy that does the tutorial, just a very basic role for him, because I don't think he's going to be that important. Um... I don't know. It could be. It could end up being Aldrin. Maybe that's part of what they're keeping keeping quiet. I don't think this guy is Aldrin, but maybe we run into Aldrin and he's like running the show on the EDZ. You know, maybe this mission that Shaw Han is on is one that they end up interacting with Aldrin, and he's also tracking the hive movements. And he sort of says that we need to watch our step because he's he's taking control of the area or something. I have no idea. Um so I'm not I'm not really sure the other thing people need to consider about bounty stacking is the reason another reason they may be clearing your bounties is bounties are getting changed with respect to XP distribution in year 4 so they may be either completely gutting your potential XP earn rate or updating all bounties thus erasing all your current bounties like they did when they updated all the vanguard bounties your bounties ceased to exist so you couldn't save them so if they make all new bounties and a new bounty structure which they said they're going to be doing to some degree that could be another reason you lose all your bounties bare minimum you're going to get less xp from them i would say if they let you keep them but they update them with respect to xp payout you're going to get less xp from them is what I would think. Bare minimum. You're either going to get a bare minimum, at at the very least you're going to get less XP, or they're going to remove them. It's one of the two. I don't think they're just going to be there as they are right now, same XP amount. I don't think so. They've said too much about it for them to do literally nothing. If you think they're going to do nothing, you're kind of ignoring all the signs. All signs point to them doing something. (laughs) Some level of an adjustment. So... Uh, Horn Joe says, would you like to see old community moments like the loot cave turned into an activity for comedic reasons? I bet you they put a lost sector there. I think that's an easy prediction. Um, I think it's an easy prediction. I'm full on completed bounties. I truly hope they clear them. It's funny how many people have told me they bounty stack, but they're totally okay with Bungie getting rid of them. They're like, I don't care, you know? Um... I agree with you, Stephanie. I don't think it makes any sense for him to be older and Sav either. I don't. I, I think I think Aldrin's coming in later. Number one, Bungie likes for one, maybe two characters to take center stage. I think the stranger is taking center stage and beyond light. They're not going to distract from Europa and the stranger and Aramis and Stasis and all of that. They're not going to distract from that by suddenly shoving Aldrin Sav into the game and into the storyline. I just, I don't think so. Um, 
I, that, that they don't typically do that. Now, sometimes you get like a pair. You got Spider and you got Petra. But they kind of came hand in hand, and I don't see Aldrin doing that. Um, so, also keep in mind the Drifter and Eris, all of them meet the Stranger on Europa, and they potentially are going to be a part of the NPC dialogue driver here, which again would make it weird. They don't like to, to slam tons, of, like a broadcast of characters into expansions and stories. Uh, they usually stick to a pretty small crew. Um, that doesn't mean that it won't be him, but I just, again, I think a lot of signs point to that just being a regular NPC. Anbu says, with Bungie spending a bit of bandwidth of bringing back and doling up the Cosmodrome, I'm a little worried that Europa will, uh, will Europa be worth it full price? Do you think they will address this in the TWAB or something? I don't think they need, they need to. No. I think you should feel good. I'm a little concerned about this sent these sentences here, but this should make you feel better. For veteran players out there, it'll be a stroll down memory lane. There will be occasional moments of discovery like stumbling upon a lost sector you haven't seen before. It doesn't sound to me like they robbed Europa to pay Cosmodrome. You know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. I don't think they pulled away from Cosmodrome. Uh, I'm sorry, Europa to work on Cosmodrome or or vice versa. I think Europa's been worked on for freaking years. I think it's going to be huge and really, really dope. And Cosmodrome, it, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a big, big focus. And as we said earlier, I'm kind of okay with that. If the main focus is Europa, um, unfortunately... They kind of did this in Forsaken. Dreaming City became the focus, and Tangled Shore kind of got shoved into the background. The Tangled Shore served as a springboard, but then it kind of got left. And I think that's unfortunate, because I thought the Tangled Shore was pretty cool, and I thought the the Baron fights were some of the better boss fights in Destiny. They were unique and memorable, and they didn't do anything with them. Having unique drops from all those fights and have them be farmable day-to-day, week-to-week would have been dope. You know, the Mad Bomber would have his own thing, and Hangman would have his own thing. I would have loved that. Um, You know, the Trickster and all the others. It would have been really, really cool. So that was unfortunate, but I think there's might be something very, very similar going on here. Cosmodrome will be a bit of a, you know, shoved out of frame a bit, and Europa will take center stage. With respect to story, stasis, the stranger, and the raid, I see that being the main focus of, uh, of Beyond Light, and Cosmodrome may start paying dividends later. As they said, it will slowly expand to its original year one D1 form, not including Plague Lands. Um, they will never... It's not that they'll never include Plague Lands. They've made it... They've seemed to have made it clear that they have no intention in bringing back the Plague Lands. Um, so, I hope you're right. I was just a nervous disposition with the Cosmodrome. I'm glad it's coming back, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be a huge, huge focus. I mean, all the strikes aren't even coming back with it. We're getting one initially. So... Don't go anywhere if you're in the live audience. We're going to keep on streaming and hanging out. If you haven't clicked subscribe yet, please do so. That's a free way to support the channel. It doesn't cost anything to subscribe. We also love to see the like count roll over, and we're super close to 700 likes. Just 18 more. That helps this video get recommended throughout the day. Also, if you're a paying member, uh, you could have submitted questions to this segment. If you're a VIP, you can call in. We, we may be uh, doing a VIP call-in session in just a moment with you guys. We'll hang out some more. I'm going to ask uh, the people that are listening elsewhere, if you're watching the past broadcast or listening to the audio version, to always think about coming and checking us out live at sayno2rage.com or be sure to bookmark sntrnetwork.com. 
SNTRnetwork.com is the central hub for all my content now. Rageous Roundtable, Repeat Theater, and SNTR Presents. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the viewer call-in session that followed my talk about the updated new player experience that Bungie talked about in their weekly TWAB. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast platforms, you can always catch me live at SayNoToRage.com. You can always find all of my content on SNTRnetwork.com. SNTRnetwork.com has all of my content in one place. Rageous Roundtable, SNTR Presents, Repeat Theater, all of it. Uh, Make sure and bookmark that site and continue to go there. If you want to take part in these VIP call-in sessions, you're going to have to click Join on YouTube and pick the VIP tier or go to Patreon to get that tier as well. Uh, We got some first-time callers today. I'm going to start with Crow. Go ahead, sir. You're live. What did you want to call in about? Greetings, good sir. So my question is, what social elements should Bungie implement into New Light to really promote player interaction to both old and new players? You know, sort of softly forcing players to begin forming, you know, those friendships, those bonds that would ultimately lead them to getting further in the game and creating memories. Yeah, it's, it's, I think this is a good question related to one specific thing that they just unveiled, and it was it seemed like an incidental benefit to the script change that they were making. If you join somebody who is in your tower, you don't re-instance. You're just suddenly in their fire team. Right. And it got the wheels turning. What if they designated spots in the tower to go stand to form teams for certain things. If Bungie doesn't do it, I could certainly see the community doing it. Like, everybody's going to rally around Hawthorne if they want to run a raid, or Zavala if they want to run a Nightfall. Go stand next to Saint-14 if you're looking for a team for Trials. That could be one grassroots development from this because it's going to be a lot easier to like look at somebody look at their outfit you know or or their their loadout and then just hop in a a team with them send them an invite or uh, Bungie could orchestrate it themselves that'd be a form of in-game LFG you know of a sword yeah so because the way I see it you know MMOs and even MMO lights they live and they die by the strength of the community and I think there there tends to be more positive moments than negative when players are sort of you know, forced to work together, whether, you know, they stumble upon others out in the world, you know, like, oh man, you know, we have a new hierarchy and, you know, this lost sector is just beating me. I can't do it solo. Can someone running around here come join me? You know, not, not to really throw shade at Necro's question, but all I could think of when he was asking about player AI, or, you know, AI joining him was, you know, what's, what's a bot going to do that a player can't? And uh, do you want to promote more so on the terms of single player which, you know, soloing, I think, has its place, but any game can, you know, level you up to max solo. You know, I think what makes these games unique is that that player interaction. I agree. I, I also think there's a nice happy medium because I've never Absolutely. been... I've never been a big fan of the, the romantic... The, they romanticize this idea about people finding each other in the wild and doing stuff together. The escalation protocol, blind well, tower events. I've always been saying, just give us matchmaking. I remember tweeting that and saying, stop romanticizing the idea that we're going to randomly work together in the public space. Just equip players to do dope stuff. So I think there's a happy middle ground um, where, you know, public space, non-matchmade, failable content 
at its core, I just don't think is a great design foundation because uh, it can lead to frustration. It can lead to people being like, there's nobody in my instance. And I know everybody always says, yeah. just start <clears throat> the event and people show up. And it's like, I know, but <sighs> well, what yeah. if people don't know that? They're just standing around right. waiting. You know, I, I've, I've actually mm-hmm. recently gone to contact public event and there are people just standing there waiting for people to show up. So that that's like when we had to wait for HVTs for the bounties from Spider. I just don't think standing around <laughs> right. is good is good content. Right, right, no, for sure. And you know, I, I I do think matchmaking has its place. You know, Destiny. Much as I would love to throw it in the pool of being a full on MMO, um, it's not. And uh, you know, while I think match, pl- oh, sorry, just whacked my mic. Uh, while I think matchmaking has a place, you know, it's the same argument I'd make for an LFG, right? If they had an in-game LFG, I wouldn't have it be like a queued system. I would have it be something that actively forces you to look at people and message them rather than, you know, just matchmake. Because then what's what's the point? Like, what's more meaningful? Doing a few strikes with randoms every 15 minutes, or forming those bonds and then running through content, you know? You with could also people with people who have similar like-minded goals sorry no yeah and if they if the if the benefit in the tower of joining and not having to reinstance if that if that permeates throughout the game it would be pretty cool to go in and mark something that says you are looking for a group or looking for people to play with and it puts a little symbol next to your name so when you do see somebody in the wild you're like oh that that guy's got that little pink pulsating star that means he's looking for people to play with and then you send a message or you 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 join them maybe they could even send their you know set their 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 fire team to public if they wanted to Mm -hmm. um just be like yeah jump on in here i'm just trying to play with folks that might right. be another way. I, I, I've, all, I've referenced this many, many times. World at War was the last Call of Duty to get this right. I don't know if they ever added it back, but in Call of Duty World at War, if I was playing with a crew and we were having a good game, I could join their squad and my little arrow would change to blue and all of their arrows would be blue on radar and I would, I would stay with them. After that version of Call of Duty, you had to leave the lobby and then send invites. It was so dumb. The streamlined squad aspect of World at War was stellar. It's how I met most of the people I played Call of Duty with. Um, Right. (laughs) I would love that in Destiny. Something like that for the public space would be awesome. Especially if you have a good run on on an event and you don't want to to suddenly have them leave or maybe you want to go do something else. You know, you, you, you jump in squad with them. Right. And and let's be real, when people are, are being actively forced to do something, they can usually tell. So I think it's it's better for like soft forcing. But, you know, because like even small things like, you know, if you partied up with someone in New Light and now you, everyone from that instance of New Light is thrown into the same tower instance, you know, it shows that recognizability and you can maybe it's more chance to create friendships and bonds, you know. Yeah. and And my hope would be. That maybe in the background they can implement migration, like host migration that you never even see. Mm. So if they're if you're able mm-hmm. to hop into a tower with somebody and not reinstance, maybe they see you're in a public space and there's nobody around, and they do a scan, and there's somebody else in your region, same thing, and they and they merge you guys your your instances, and you have no yeah. idea that it happened. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but okay, cool. Thank you for letting me pick your brain for a bit. Yeah, no, that was a good question. I have always liked questions like that. We're going to move on to somebody else. Before we do, I mean, the request for LFG in-game, we may be close to getting something like that. And so I think it's 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 good to, to ask those questions continually of social aspects. So, Hezen, I am coming to you, sir. Uh, go ahead with your question. Yo, so uh, I think Beyond Light uh, overall is really doing a lot to improve the new player experience. 
But one of the things I'm concerned about with the Calvin drone is, like you said, the lack of substance that we're getting with the Calvin mm-hmm. drone. I'm, I'm sure Europe is going to be chock full of substance and quality is going to be probably going to be the biggest area we've ever seen. But the Calvin drone is like it's going to be shoehorned in there. You know, what mm-hmm. can what what could they what couldn't they do in the EDZ that they can do now on the Calvin drone? You know what I'm saying. I just feel like it's going to be a big waste because as far as we know, it's just going to be a tutorial area and half the size of the original at that. We're not even going to get the plague lands, but we're going to get the full carbon drum at launch. There's no uh, exclusive loot. There's not going to be any proper uh, pads and loot acquisition. I just feel like in 2020, as far as the overall scope of the game, we're too deep in the franchise for them, for them to be adding in entire patrol areas where there's no reason to be there <laughs> outside, of the, outside of new players being there or a nostalgia trip. They're deleting 60% of the game, which they need to do. They need to get all that fat up out of here. But you have to add in something of substance to replace that gap. You know, mm-hmm. People are already worried that Beyond Light is going to be too thin. They're worried about we're only getting one new strike. You know, I, you, we need something. That's why I'm saying I hope Dude is the vendor, the new guy, uh, taking the tutorial. Mm-hmm. We need something, man. We need exclusive loot. We need activity. I'm not saying we need a raid or a dungeon. On the carbon drone, but we need something that's loopable, something that can get you in there, get good loot, have a good reason to go in carbon drone and say, "Oh yeah, I, mean, I killed this drag in the in the shipyards, you know, six years ago." You know, like right. we, we need something more than that. Yeah, I mean, that just goes back to the overall scope of how Beyond Life changes the game. This is going to be great for new players, but it's 2020. There's no excuse for uh, <laughs> empty patrols. You know what I'm saying? And uh, this has been a problem in Destiny 2, I think, since Vanilla, that you don't feel like being on a planet has a particular purpose or drive. Right. Um, right. They did have the armor sets in Vanilla D2, but there was no real reason other than it was basically a cosmetic pursuit because, you know, the IO set was pretty dope and all that. Yeah. Uh, but there's other than other than looking different, there wasn't a huge reason to do it. I've always thought it would be awesome for planets to have their own loot pool and there's a reason to be there there's activities uh, there's when it's the flashpoint maybe there's special stuff happening maybe things change they yeah. kind of did that you know like the, the different mini bosses would show up like the dog on the EDZ would show up the gold dog mm-hmm. um, would show up nothing happened there it'd have been cool if that dog could drop something <laughs> unique you know like maybe a class item something. yeah a right. cla- just, just a class item that looked like somebody made it from uh, a, 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 a cabal war dog Exactly. You know, something unique big, has you know, a chance to drop, right? Like, yeah. And that's why I love the that's why I love the moon so much because the moon just wasn't a copy and paste. Even though it was in year three, it was the most heavily bloated uh, time of distance we've ever seen. It was still packed, jack packed with, uh, with substance. We had a lot of loot. We had proper pairs loot acquisition. It was two. It was twice the size as the original uh, moon. Was therein gives it twice the value as the original moon did. Had a great raid, a great dungeon. Even I think it was we had one of the better uh, public event activities with the Altar of Sorrows, as opposed to like the Seraph Talk. Um, it had the moon invasions. It conveyed a narrative that's going to set up for the future as a, as a uh, like a bridge to what's coming in uh, in year four. Set so the catalyst of the storyline for year mm-hmm. three. The moon had a lot of stuff, and like I said, the Caldrum is just going to be. I think it's going to be bare bones. But I, I just I'm worried. Go ahead. I'm worried that uh, the Caldrum is just not going to be. What we need to be, even when this gets its full form, you know. I'm, I'm hoping. Me personally, I would have liked that they would have added in Jupiter. You know, Europa could have been the tangled shore to Jupiter's uh, dream of city. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. We always that's one of the locations we always wanted to go to. But 
I would even say too that uh, my anticipation is that Cosmodrome doesn't do much in Beyond Light and then maybe they do more with it in the future because they did say they were going to you know, expand it and evolve it and I liked Altar of Sorrows with a few tweaks. I think it could have been perfect. I really do think yep. matchmaking helps an event like that. And maybe, as I was talking to the previous guy, uh, Crow, about maybe they can start to do a better job of you pushing a button and it brings people into your instance that are also doing the same thing. They, they could simulate matchmaking but make it more streamlined because if I can just hop into your tower instance without reinstancing, maybe public space could benefit as well. That's one thing I would like to, to see that they do with events like that because it's like that one got kind of tough at the end and if you had a light group it could get kind of frustrating because there was there was triumphs (laughs) and stuff that you couldn't get done because the guys would kind of sacrifice and the loot grind Um, I loved the idea that there was unique loot that could drop but I think it kind of fell short because the loot wasn't good there was no real reason to chase it and that's why the appearance was dope you couldn't get that you could not get that aesthetic anywhere else those those weapons had their own look and I thought they looked awesome but they didn't have anything special about them and that's where Bungie's got to figure out how to how to create loot that matters in the public space without undercutting obviously like Adept Trials gear and Raid gear. Exactly. Um, So, I mean in the end, right, when it comes to these non-player activities, I just think it's really ridiculous that there isn't at least a matchmaking sort of option. You know, we already know that they can load in certain instances anyway to these patrol areas where I can just load into this instance for this activity. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is you you tie in these triumphs and these titles and all this loot and uh, like, uh, what's it called? Serve towers. We had to do a lot of them runs, which were painful. They sucked. Yeah. The activity sucked. But if you wanted to upgrade your bunkers, we had to get in there and play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what happens whenever you know a blueberry doesn't know what they're doing? You can only spawn up with three of your buddies. You got to keep leaving instances and going back, which is a terrible hassle. You know. Yeah, so and that's bad for the public out. space too, because you're constantly reinstancing. So that's not good for anybody else. I I had somebody. Uh, they got three fire teams in an instance and they let me take the third spot. So there was nine of us and it was really enjoyable because three people took a tower. It was awesome. Like it felt fun. It was like, we stayed on top of it. Yeah. Coordinated. I was like, and, and we were not communicating. We were not on mics. We weren't in discord. Like, obviously we were all friends, but again, if you match made it and there was always nine people in there that I don't, I think tower events would have been well received in a, in a much higher, uh, positive response exactly. because it just, it, it was too RNG based. Yeah. Especially since that's been a, that's been a complaint we've had <laughs> since quarter orcs five years ago. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We had to go back and up the down the stairs with Archon's forge. You know, yep. I, we've had, these are not new issues that they didn't know about. We've been complaining about this for years. You know, but I have no doubt that they'll fix it. You know, beyond that, I think it's gonna be, you know, the biggest and best expansion yet. It's gonna have the biggest, most greatest, most complex raid we ever seen. And a lot of faith in Bungie because I see what they're trying to do with the vision of the game, starting off with Beyond Light. A yeah. lot of the concerns we had in year three, like I said, I think year three is one of the best years we ever had. The amount of improvements and evolution of the way we play the game has evolved way more in these these past uh this past three hundred and sixty five days than any other time of the game. Yeah. <laughs> I because agree. the meta now and the way we play the game, now, even Armor 2.0 was heavily different and improved from the time it started first started. Uh, that's all I said. I yeah. no doubt that we'll, uh, that we'll be uh, having some fun times and be on like Subclass 2.0, Ghost 2.0, probably a Weapons 2.0, you know. Yeah. Things like that. I am very hopeful okay. for a Weapons 2.0 of some sort. And yeah. it, Teddy's saying. They, they, they know. Yeah. 
I mean, Teddy's saying EP was the same. I think one of the reasons EP did a little better, obviously once they toned down the light level, because it was a little tough initially, maybe too tough, um, was because EP starts out pretty easy. It gets harder as you go, and usually by the time you get to the end, there's more people around. Uh, the, the tower event kind of is static. It's the, it was the same way the whole time, and so that was part of the uh, um, contact public event is kind of the same way the whole time. There weren't stages, and so I think that was one of the reasons EP somehow worked, because eventually folks would come in, you'd be about halfway through, and you'd have a ton of people. Right, and I also think another reason why EP stayed around is everybody wanted that shotgun. Yes. You know, despite EP's flaws with the matchmaking and how the content was structured, it had that one shotgun, that one piece of loot that was so coveted and so legendary, so everybody wanted it so bad, people were willing to do that. I just don't feel like people will have that same desire anymore, because... Right. Let's look at the time. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and not even that. They didn't really drop. Like you, the, it was more of a frame farm or a bounty farm. Their drop rate wasn't all that great, and the EP also was like the only thing to do. Like at the time, oh, so yeah. it was like there wasn't much else to do. That was the other thing. It was like it was the central, you know, activity. And I think with uh, the way they set up season of the worthy you could be doing a legendary lost sector you could be doing bunker bounties or you could be doing the tower event and so it 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 also kind of sliced the community up a little bit i'm okay with that i don't want one central activity and nothing else but i think that also helped ep uh and and i think greg's highlighting a really good point too is they made it very farmable eventually they made it to where initially i don't think it worked this way right greg you couldn't you couldn't just immediately start at wave six and reset it. It did reset initially, I thought. And then they added that yeah, later as a farm yeah. a farm friendly update. No, it wasn't always that way. That was an update. It was a farm friendly yeah, update yeah. where they said if you did it within a certain time frame, you would go back down to the next one. Wave I'm six. fairly certain. Yeah, I remember that especially in year two when the uh, signals uh, started popping up. People uh, kept going for the um the shotgun. A lot of people just restarting level six. That was the, uh, yep. the new patch. What happened? Yeah. But one more thing, man. Uh, you still doing the topic for D1 versus D2 current? I've been it, seeing a lot on the on the forums and Reddit mm-hmm. and Twitter. Now all of a sudden, get in, people get amnesia and just look back <laughs> like D1 was this this golden perfect idea. Somebody mm-hmm. said D1 was objectively a perfect game. I laugh. I laugh. I laugh. In <laughs> <laughs> almost every conceivable way that you can possibly quantify the improvements on D2 from D1, it's better in every category. I mean, there's no debate. You pick the tier where you can tell me once a month what topic you want to see me cover. I mean, within reason. Like, you can't be like, we need, you know, we need teddy bears in Destiny. I can't do that. Like, it no, has to no, be. No, no, no. Right. But the topic you pick is a good topic. I mean, I obviously, I, I'll do it if you want me to. And I'll reference a video I created in November after taking King's launch where I told people it was okay to take a break yep, because stop playing <laughs> yeah, stop playing destiny <laughs> is, is it suddenly started trending. <laughs> people started finding that video again and it's, it's literally November. So we're, we're not that far away from taking King and people are already like, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. And that was the biggest D one expansion and it didn't take exactly. long and you were in drought land. And then we didn't get anything until the April update. And the April update was challenge of elders. Like that's oh, all. It the was. April update was terrible. I remember that one. Reskin <laughs> prisoner elders with terrible loot acquisition and sinister. Uh, That's all it was. I I came up with something a while ago that I think helps put some maybe some insight into diagnosing why people think about Destiny One in that way that they oh it was so perfect. 
Yes, the, the soldier is, is is one hell of a drug, man. You know, mm -hmm. the way it works, you don't remember the bad times. You don't remember all the droughts, Forever 29, the terrible loot acquisition, the fact that you gamble most of the time, so you're actually grinding for something. Mm -hmm. You don't remember all the bad times with these ones. All the times that they say that they hate the game, the game's mm -hmm. gonna die. These look back at, you know, probably evolved, you know, the first trials complete, the first, uh, first trials flaws. They look back on the good times. You know, I was a victim of that too when, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with D2 Gear 1. <laughs> <laughs> the first yeah. month, uh, mm -hmm. October 12th, when that proceeds Leviathan drop, I, I got up in there. <laughs> yeah. No good loot, no power level increase, but they gave you a shader. I was out. <laughs> the, <laughs> the reason I think that happens, though, I think it's a, there's a more specific reason. I think in D1, when there was a drought, people actually stopped playing. So you, you yeah. don't have memories of the game. You weren't playing it. So there are no negative memories during some of the droughts for a lot of people. They literally stopped playing. D2 is very very different people just keep playing because the yeah. content rhythm kind of calls you to keep playing so they you're more sleep. aware of how thin the content gets and so you think well i remember d1 being so much better and it's like well yeah you probably took two or three months off and so you have no <laughs> memories in that two or three month span you weren't playing and and if you took that kind of a break right now you'd probably be like yo there's so much to do well yeah you took a quarter of the year off i people forget that they do that there were long stretches of time where folks just put the sticks down and didn't touch destiny right because Destiny's one of those games where when you take a break even if it's like a two-week break you come back it feels amazing you know mm -hmm. you feel rejuvenated you feel refreshed you're yep. ready to go to get up in there and run you know and for people to all of a sudden say, oh, we missed the expansion uh, model instead of the seasonal model. I'm like, are you the same? <laughs> so you want everything to be piled, dumped on you, steamrolled upon you for the first month. So then you can mm -hmm. turn around and complain for the next four or five months. There's nothing to do. <laughs> I have a I have a video about that. I'm fairly certain. I think it's called seasonal format review. I have that one, and then I might have something else where I, I compared DLC. I think I did two different videos, but I have a seasonal format review that I did a month ago. And that was basically what the, the question that I posed was, is the seasonal format working versus the, the, more, the more classic format of DLCs uh, or expansions? Um, right here is one from eight months ago. Destiny 2 Season Pass versus DLC model. A video from eight months ago where I said some players want to return to the DLC format instead of Season Pass. I talk about why this is a terrible conclusion to come to right now. Um, as soon as content got dry in in that time, everyone was like, oh, the DLC model was so much better. And I was like, okay, hold oh. the phone, dude. You're talking about <laughs> Dark Below, House of Wolves, Warmind and Curse of Osiris all conceivably not the brightest spots in Destiny's history and it was amazing to me that people thought we should go back to that um, and that that still kind of gets legs sometimes and you know what it always gets legs at the same time it's always near the end of a season people are getting burned out and bored and they're like I we should just go back to DLC and it's like homie you'd be bored for way longer for longer periods of time if you went back <laughs> that's how it worked you know it was, it was known as the two week the two week period the two week trial that mm -hmm. two weeks was up you was burned out you left complained about the game within forums or crying you know and I get it back then D1 suffered from content just the most there was nothing really to do that's why Logan yep. was so difficult back then. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess you just gambled the entire time. That's, that's all D1 really was at the end of the day. 
really didn't have any control over the Lucha Gamble to the grind. <laughs> oh yeah, Imago Loop grind was 450 oh, some man. odd strikes, and I did 53 skeleton keys before I got an Imago with. Yep. I just wanted the explosive rounds, and that's how long it took me to get one. <laughs> Exactly. You know, I went for I, I ran um the stolen prayer. What was that strike with the Oakland priest? The stolen. You know what I'm talking about the uh, the shotgun. Stolen, stolen will. The stolen will. Oh yeah, stolen will. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I kept running that strike over and over again, man, because there was no. That was all you had to do. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the loopable content wasn't like now, right? You look at like the lectern, the menagerie, the forges, the obelisk, you know, etc. They trade your time for a mm-hmm. guaranteed shot. Loop, that was the loop, only one, yeah. Loot, exactly. Because there was one, two other. The same there was two other rapid fire shotguns. There was the Occam's Razor, and then there was one for Iron Banner, but those weren't as grindable as that Nightfall right. one. Because the skeleton key form was just compared to the currency rate and uh, the chance of you actually getting skeleton key just way higher. Right, waiting on Iron Banners. Yep. So, I mean, at the end of the day, man, I think Beyond Light's going to be just you know the best time Destiny again. <laughs> I, I, think again, this again. <laughs> I think year three is the best part. I mean, I mean we can do it if anyone wanted, but uh, I think year three is, is I guess, as the franchise and each respective game is improved more and more as we know. You know, D1 mm-hmm. vanilla is way worse than D1 yep. year three. And then they trying. They, they hold reset with year one, and now year three, D2 is probably a different game than D2 year one, fundamentally. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. This is going to keep, I think it's going to continue that trail. Yeah, I agree. Yep. All right, man. Appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, dude. Thanks for calling in. And I'm going to mute him and move on. And I, 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 I think he brings up a good point that we talk about a lot. People get almost inoculated and numb to quality of life improvements. They forget how far the game has come. You forget about bounties and armor 2.0 and the artifact and the season pass and like it, it, the game is the game has had so many quality of life improvements and we don't sense them it's like the frog getting boiled slowly in the water like the temperature slowly goes up and you don't realize it and it's like the quality has slowly gone up in a lot of different areas and we forget and it gets out of frame and out of view and we just think all oh, the game is just in such bad shape and it's like my gosh they've made so many improvements um over the over the years so all right i'm coming to necro our next caller calling in today messed up some of his food nonstick pan you're muted by the way uh necro are you there necro may have stepped away i am going to remute necro and i'm gonna un is keelia back keelia are you there keelia had the telephone yeah, there um, you go. i'm here but but necro's sitting there yelling you can't hear him he muted him but he's he's yelling he's here let's just let's just roll with you since you're here just wait a second necro Go ahead, Keeler. Right. What do you want to call it about? Um, well, Hezen kind of stole all my thunder because he pretty much covered what I wanted to cover. But uh, I kind of took, I kind of look at it a different way than he did. Um, okay. I, you know, I try and be as optimistic and positive as possible, and I would never try and start any sort of argument or debate or anything like that ever. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I I just kind of feel like maybe we kind of got a little bit of the bait and switch here. Um, they they use Cosmodrone as a selling point of hey we're bringing back the Cosmodrone it's going to be great you guys are going to be able to enjoy the Cosmodrone but after they kind of start releasing more information about it it seems like Cosmodrone is pretty linear and it's just going to be uh, basically a startup path yeah you might get to go there and you know maybe do a lost sector woo yay I mean the un- unless they're going to adjust the loot in lost sectors 
aside from doing a bounty, there's ultimately, you know, really nothing special about them. Yeah. What do you, do yeah. you, can you kind of see maybe kind of like how maybe a little bait and switch going on? Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit. I, I think there's probably one, one of three things is happening. The first thing, this would be the optimistic hope that they haven't shown us everything and that what we just learned about with the Cosmodrome was under the context of them talking about the new player experience. So they didn't really dive into what we're going to get. I mean, they briefly talked about veteran players taking a stroll down, you know, memory lane. Um, So they could be keeping their cards close to their chest and this could be more of a tangled shore, you know, companion location that does have some cool things going on on it that's that's the optimistic possibility the other possibility is they don't want it to be a focus or that substantive because they really want the focus to be on europa it seems like there's a lot that's going to be going on europa seems huge the it's the origin of stasis it seems to be where the raid is and they mainly maybe they thought they want that to be the primary focus and then over time they have made it clear they want to do stuff with the Cosmodrome and expand it. So it's probably one of those two. I mean, I suppose the third possibility is they literally just did this as nostalgic filler and there'll be some lost sectors and nothing significant going on. I would say that's probably the least likely of the three. So we're, I think we're most likely going to land in the middle where they didn't want it to be a huge focus because they mainly want us, especially if you're thinking from an expansion standpoint, if there was a huge focus on the Cosmodrome, people would be like, why did I buy an expansion if you're mainly going to make me hang out on a planet that I already played or I was already on and I've already been there, blah, 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 reskin. If most of the focus and the value is on the new planet and the new destination, that's probably better value transmission to the consumer to feel like that's really what they were paying for. And then the Cosmodrome can serve as an evolving, growing space for the $10 seasons. Maybe eventually it does get an activity or something there. Um, I will agree that I'll be pretty disappointed if it's literally Cosmodrome with updated pubs and lost sectors. Like, I'll be a little disappointed that that's literally all it does and serves as, like, the tutorial springboard. I'll be disappointed. I'm not going to be super mad unless, in the grand scheme of Beyond Light, we're all disappointed and that's just one more piece of the disappointment. If Beyond Light delivers a really, really good, excellent loot grind and loot cycle and a raid and a great new location, I'll be fine if Cosmodrome's a little understated initially. Um, But reading this line the two lines here veteran players there'll be a stroll through memory lane there will be occasional moments of discovery like stumbling upon a lost sector that you haven't seen before that doesn't bode all that well for people that are feeling like Kelia that man you guys are making this a huge selling point of the DCV you said it was going to be time to bring back the greatest hits you mentioned Vogue you're bringing back Cosmodrome and now it's kind of not feeling that way and then you know you got people like Hezen who are like if they do it like the moon I'll be happy because the moon was actually a pretty dope revisit and a relaunch um, they did a lot with it so I, I don't know I, it, I'm, I I would say right now I am a little disappointed that they don't have more to say and then there's that part of me that's kind of hopeful maybe they're keeping things secret and close to their chest since we have zero clue what's going on with Aldrin and he apparently is kind of hanging out on Earth and we're, we've all, we also know that you know they always have that really really old footage of him on the Cosmodrome you know has us has a gunpoint maybe they bring that back for some reason um, so bait and switch is a term that I don't know if I'd use it here yet because they didn't necessarily 
use this as a way because whenever they announced you know Cosmodrome they weren't even taking pre-orders yet I don't think for the longest time it was hard to even find a place to pre-order Beyond Light um I still think we need a lot more info because we don't know, we don't have the best scope of what Beyond Light comes with and we don't have a scope of what the season comes with at all for the $10. And that needs to be outlined, I would say, before November the 1st so that people can be informed on their pre-orders or their purchases, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. And I see your point. I mean, initially, yeah, if the Cosmo Drone is, is, you know, that linear start-out place for, for the, the blueberries... You know, they could very well, you know, after the first season, we all, you know, we all play Europa. Yeah, Europa's fun. And then, uh, no, they start, you know, an event starts up on the Cosmodrome and suddenly now we're all going back to the Cosmodrome. They're actually picking it up and adding more substance to it. Yeah, it seems like it be a logical path. Yeah, and they, and I think that might make more sense too of like, I think we're going to spend most of our time and focus on Europa. That to me... It, that kind of makes sense from a from an expansion standpoint, you know. Taken King, we spent most of our time, new time, new strikes, and all that on the Dreadnought, and then Rise of Iron, Plaguelands, and then I would say Forsaken was one of the times where we're like, holy moly, wow, we get Tangled Shore and we get Dreaming City. But if we're honest, Tangled Shore became kind of not important at all. They didn't utilize the Baron fights very well. It was literally kind of like what you're saying I mean the Tangled Shore was just a linear springboard to the Dreaming City and then Dreaming City became the focal point and that's where all the depth was which is unfortunate because Tangled Shore was kind of a dope area and the Baron fights were really cool and unique and they get barely touched <laughs> like in the grand scheme of, of boss fights it's like Panoptes oh, yeah. you know they could definitely even add a little bit more substance to the Baron fights and you could turn those into strikes like it mm-hmm. wouldn't be that hard you can even make those now that that's your grandmaster path now you've got you know four four things that you can actually work on put a little time into and suddenly hey here's four grandmasters with mechanics that you have to do it's not just one hit kills you know here's a bunch of different mechanics you haven't seen before maybe some balls we all like bungee balls you know play with those for a little bit and then you know maybe they, they actually do do something like that yeah, I always thought a daily featured Baron fight with a unique drop would have been really, really cool. You know, if you were like, oh man, this is the guy that drops this weapon, or this is the guy that drops yeah, this armor piece. Because there are some unique pieces they drop, but they're they're just armor pieces. There's nothing, they're not even specific to a Baron. But that would have been a really, really, or you know, you could have a Baron or Adventure playlist, or as you're saying, just you know, turn them into strikes. I, it, that would have been, I think, a really... Really, I, I don't know an easy an easy value add that that they missed out on. So I, I I'm always looking at um I'm always thinking about when they add something. What's the replay value, if at all? What's the capital you're going to get out of this? Which is why I was always in favor of less story, less cutscene, more content loop. And if you're going to do stories. interference mission is literally exactly what I've always said if you're going to take the time to create a story mission and a a quest and all that reuse it somehow and I think they did and I think they did a good job with interference I think that's that's an example of how they can make a story mission and utilize it more than just one time yeah literally you know interference mission is first half the same every time and the back half changes up Mm -hmm. I don't feel I mean I'm not a programmer I don't know first thing about programming but I feel as if just changing part of something can't be can't take that much bandwidth. Yeah, 
and it culminated in a really cool ending with uh, you know Nocris and the dialogue and stuff. I think. Yep. So yeah, no, they did it. They did a really good job on that. Cool. Well, do you have anything else? If not, I'm going to go to Necro. No, I do not. I'll think of something for another time. All right, man. Thanks for calling in. Later. All right. Always, guys, remember, uh, some of you guys, it's your first time. uh, Always remember to remute yourself because I can't tell if you have or not. So, Necro, sorry, getting you got skipped over, but now you can go. What's going on, man? You can hear me. I'm good now? Yeah, you're fine. (laughs) Okay, good, because I had like a half a second to breathe. (laughs) Okay, so... Concerning the new light experience, um, being that most of us are at the finish line and we're going to see it maybe move up two and a half feet in front of us, should we go back and kind of just like re-experience Destiny and just try to immerse ourselves in these new changes? Or should we just go on ahead to Europa? <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to be really hard pressed to, I'm just going to want to jump right into Europa um, I'm just I'm going to want to that doesn't mean I'm not going to want to definitely revisit Cosmodrome maybe even go through that story thing that they've got now and get the Kvostov and, and hear the dialogue and, and see all the um, you know, see all those great those tr- iconic Destiny locations I, I could square it either way. It, I'll be honest. If I'm not in a hurry because of, of uh, raid launch, please be staggered a week, a week and a half maybe, letting me get one reset. I may actually go Cosmodrome first. Um, I may do that first because that would be, I think, the, a, a really nice, fresh, oh, let's check this out first before going to Europa. If I'm in a bit of a hurry, I might not be able to. I think That's what always bothers me about the rush raid launch is I don't even get to enjoy the story I have to go through it as a formality and then you know and then I have to and then I have to like maximize leveling which always becomes a retread of just a bunch of old content you know so I I am I would definitely be in favor though I, I don't want necessarily know if I want Bungie forcing it because they make it sound like it's optional I don't think they would force it, but I could definitely see myself making sure to take the time to go through this new thing, this new experience, this, this tutorial, and, and experience Cosmodrome and what a new player is going to feel. Um, I, 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 can definitely, I can definitely see myself doing that. The, um, I'm thinking of actually deleting my Derpy Titan and actually starting over again. That was always the meal for me. I'm thinking, yeah, let me see if I could just fall in love with the game because I think I'm about a week off of the game. I have not logged in since. I, I didn't even want to do anything in the Festival of Lost. It's just uh, eh, not much for me. I wanted to know too concerning um, the new player base. They do the new light thing. Then they go off into to Europa. Do you think that they're actually going to teach us how to use the, the stasis and like uh, show us around in the new environment or you think they're just going to kind of just plop us? Yeah, I don't know. They didn't when we were unlocking subclasses and stuff. They didn't. I don't think they taught us how to use them. They just kind of gave them to us. Um, I mean, they may. I don't know. They've never really done that, but they might. They might walk through because for players that aren't reading the blogs and looking at the videos, they may have to walk through aspects and fragments because people will be like, "What on earth is this?" They may have to walk through um, the slow freeze shatter that that's kind of the three functions of stasis 
So the I don't I don't know. They did. They never really walked through. I know you did the mission on the EDZJ stock where like you went through and listened to all the narration, but they didn't show you the different things that your subclass could do. You went through that and then got your subclass. Isn't that kind of how it worked? Right. You just got it all of a sudden. They didn't show you what skip grenades did or uh, way of a thousand cuts knife trick. They didn't show us any of that. They just gave it to you. There was a process of getting it. You are correct on that. But they didn't show you. I I kind of feel like stasis is going to necessitate some form of a tutorial because it's a brand new system with aspects and fragments. Now, Armor 2.0 didn't have a tutorial. They had to have a whole stream where they explained it. And that stream was actually poorly received because it was kind of boring. It was all about menus and stats and moving things around. And people were bored So with, with that stream in particular. And I remember thinking that stream was awesome because I was like, wow, there's a lot of depth here. So I'm curious how they bring players up to speed on a whole new system of customization with, uh, with the stasis subclasses, mainly with aspects and fragments. Yeah. To respond, uh, to bounce off and respond to creature in chat. Yes, they did have those um, missions, but they didn't explain. They just kind of like, "Hey, you're a titan. You got a big old fire hammer. Go and twirl. You know, you know, turn and win, spin to win. Come on, just kill everything. Why don't we have more context, more dialogue? Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is what this Shaw Han guy is gonna do. He's gonna be like." Hey, we got a big brigade of fallen coming over. I'm gonna take up a sniper point, like up there on the hill. Like, you know, it gives you like an idea. You know, he probably would tell you. In my experience, you know, there are different ways you can approach this uh, situation. You know, he might say you could go run in with a sword or snipe in the back. You know, trying to teach you like different play styles just via dialogue. Like, we have to have conveyance. They have to have. They have to explain through dialogue and through gameplay teach us what to do even us we understand we're going to hit the buttons we're going to use it we're going to experiment but if the game can be clever and teach us you know different ways that we could use stasis or as a new player what the nine plus uh what was it yeah it it is nine right that we have nine per character plus an extra uh set of uh supers Mm -hmm. that's so overwhelming to someone who's just new to the game like you mentioned, Shahan maybe have will have like different types of gear. It's gonna teach you the different tiers. It's like me trying to teach my guys and my clan Monster Hunter. They have everything in front of them, but I have to take it piece by piece. Let's yep. work on just killing the monster. Then we get we we get the resources. Then we make a, a good armor piece. Let's not focus on everything at once. We have to like kind of branch out as we go and build. If they can do that, I think the game would be solid. And as a, it would have a great solid foundation, and then they could just build off of that. I'm hoping that's the direction they go. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard for people to care about updates and improvements if they don't kind of put it in front of people. And I wonder if Armor 2.0 deserved a little bit more of that kind of love. So people, and honestly, until they made it more flexible with the seasonal mods it was kind of tough it was like i'm not going to use any of this stuff and so aspects and fragments being a significant upgrade and update (laughs) if they don't really put that in front of people and let them experiment with it try it out teach them about it it can definitely turn into something that just gets out of frame for them they don't pay attention to it and then they're not benefiting from something pretty awesome that bungie added uh five dollars from rogue says 
I think the new character can also be used to teach new players about charged light mods. Yeah, it can be used for that. You know, how to turn a public event heroic. You know, there's all kind of things that oh, they could use him for. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I don't want to make it sound like they want to go this direction, but you look at some of these gotcha games on the mobiles. They kind of stop your forward motion to tell you, "Hey, you could do this. You could have a boss rush match, or you can. Um, we could teach you about this new type." of thing for your armor let's upgrade this thing and they force you to use resources like i i mean why not do it in a clever way don't like handhold like we you have to respect the intelligence of the player you know not everybody is a mouth breather and you know it's a tommy no thumb sometimes sorry for the tommy no thumbs out there but you know what i, <laughs> they I mean exist. like <laughs> yeah no. they do exist casual carl tommy no thumbs they we're gonna do. have to get good <laughs> They Get do. good, George. I mean, they—he's a new uh, member of the, the the Dream Squad here. <laughs> no, I mean, get good, Gary. Yeah. Come on. Get good, Gary. Fine. Get good, Gary. We'll do that. I'm going to type that in. <laughs> that's a good one. You yeah. add it to the All list. Right. So. <laughs> Great All right. Sandwiches. Yeah, that's that's it for me. <laughs> Get good, All right, Greg. man. No, it's 52, Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get good, 52, yep. Greg. I, All right. Thanks I for calling. Enjoyed in, dude. our time. Take care. All Take right. care. Thanks, everybody, who called in today. We had Crow, Hezen, Necro, and Kelia. A couple of those, couple of those folks, it was their first time ever calling in. Actually, three out of the four uh, was their first time uh, ever calling in. So thank you for that. If you're like, man, that'd be really cool to call in and discuss something, you got to pick the VIP tier. So click join, pick VIP, and then hop in the Discord. Uh, easiest way to support the stream is to click subscribe and the bell button and the like button. We're trying to get that like count up uh, today. We had a weird start today with a stream crash, so it kind of hurt our like count. We lost like 100 likes. Uh, so we'd probably be sitting around 850 or so. So help us have that rebound on the like count. If you're listening elsewhere, you can always catch us live at saynotorage.com. And don't forget to bookmark sntrnetwork.com. sntrnetwork.com is the hub for Rageous Roundtable, Repeat Theater, and SNTR Presents. All the content in one place. And uh, this is also a tool that was built for me by the same guy, Creature, that has all of my notes and pictures and stuff for the talk. So we've definitely got a nice upgrade uh, because of that. Yeah, you can also use Patreon. So, as always, if you're listening or watching in the other locations, please like, share, and subscribe.